I'm Dave Peters, and I'm always right. Traffic is now racist in Philadelphia. In a gesture towards equity, the city says they will stop making minor traffic stops. Officials claiming the policy will curb stops by police under what's referred to as driving while black. This means guys like Henry Ruggs III just get more practice while driving drunk. Allegedly. The former mayor of New York City is apparently hoping people still care about him. Bill de Blasio reportedly organizing a run for governor. De Blasio apparently still somehow unaware nobody likes him. Congratulations to Eric Adams, who won uh, the mayoral election in New York. Tiger King 2, the running title, Tiger King 2, Sex is Better in Jail. It's actually happening. How to make a... Murderer 2 was pretty much a disaster. Are people really going to have interest in Tiger King 2? I guess one of anything in America just isn't enough anymore. I wonder if Tiger King's husband gets new teeth in this one. There are still some items not on shelves due to the disruption of the supply chain. I did a little research and found the missing goods affecting the wealthiest among us. Former President Donald Trump tweeting out, just went to the store, told my tanning cream out for six to eight weeks. Two words, China. One word, stupid Dems, parenthesis, redundant. Thinking of starting my own lotion, Trump tan. Who's in, question mark, MTGA. This one from Colin Kaepernick. Went to Foot Locker, told the new Air Max 95s won't be in until after Christmas. Hashtag still a slave. Alec Baldwin, studio looking into why blank bullets are being held up at the port. Hashtag innocent. Mark Zuckerberg, not sure what to marinate my meats in. Sweet baby rays out until at least next month. Held up at sea. I'll show them. Send AI piranhas now. Oh no, why did I type this? Oh no, I'm hitting send. And from World Series loser Jose Altuve... Tuve of the Houston Astros. Who even knew he had a social media account. Man, I wish I had a new transmitter. It's so much easier to cheat when the supply chain is reliable. There's always next year, though. SNL star Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian. They're an item. It's proven. Davidson seen with Kim once at an amusement park. And then the pair spotted in Staten Island. Davidson taking Kim to his hometown for a little Italian dinner. Luck just has it. I got a little inside action of their night out. Let's give it a listen. We both know 
What side of Kanye is at the wheel right now? I just want to go to my room never come out. I didn't even get to enjoy my big dick summer. And then we had a fight because I wouldn't get him a Band-Aid. Every girl that sees my dick for the rest of my life is disappointed. My poor mother. I'm just like, don't know what to do. Kanye said that Democrats broke up black families with welfare, and that's slavery is not real. Did I not say no to these cookies? Like, they have to be taken away. Staten Island isn't all heroin and racist cop. It also has meth and racist firefighters. I gained 15 pounds. Like, this is a joke. I don't even know where to start with the whole Kim Kardashian thing. I mean, she's a porn star turned something turned law student lawyer. I have no idea. Davidson living the high life though, flowing from Ariana Grande to Kate Beckinsale. I think another one than Kim Kardashian. Staten Island doing big things, I guess. We'll be back after this. Since 1949, for millions of families across the country, the right knives are Cutco knives. I always kept a knife in the car for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. Cutco knives are made right here in America, always have been. And today, hundreds of Cutco team members craft each knife with an artisan's eye for quality and detail. I grabbed the knife. This level of craftsmanship is one of the reasons that every Cutco knife comes with a forever guarantee, a powerful promise we've stood behind since our founding in 1949. That means your Cutco set will be the last set of knives you'll ever need to buy. 10 years, 20 years, even generations down the road, Cutco will sharpen your knives and replace any defective item for free. I hate to say this, but this is not even that No one else does that because no one else is Cutco. All right, CDC says children can get vaccinated. They've approved the Pfizer vaccine for the 5 to 11 age group. Things are getting kind of crazy. We're about one month away from some sicko creating a pro-vaccine commercial with Santa telling kids to get vaccinated. What's that? Ho, ho, ho! Did somebody say Santa? Oh, have I got a song for you. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Get your kid a vaccine, even though they might turn gay. That would be okay, unless you think it's not. Just remember that your kid has got to get three shots. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, your kid can get vaxxed. Either 
away. Remember, they'll still make you wear a mask. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells. Remember, you can still get sick. Don't get too close to grandma, cause if you're vaxxed, you can still get sick. Merry Christmas! Who knew Santa was an anti-vaxxer? That was amazing. Cop Talk, coming up next. It's the Horrendous League. Watch your favorite cast of evildoers band together and try to free the ugliest of them all. Listen, Charlie, I, I just don't think breaking Larry Nassa out of jail will be that easy. Why do you think this is? Escape from Danamora? One day you're a journalist, the next day you're a criminal mastermind? I know we can do it. Then once he's free, we can use the time to clear our names and get back to doing what we do best. Forcing ourselves on women? No. Well, yeah. Kinda. Well, I have a Haley Joel Osmond lookalike contest to judge. Let me know what the plan is. We need one more. Starring Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, Kevin Spacey, Charlie Rose, and Larry Nasser. A horrendous league on YouTube. Now. so we're gonna get serious for a little bit here this is part one of cop talk it's me with a police officer one-on-one -on -one trying to understand uh what it's like to be a cop in 2021 it's pretty interesting we talk personal points of view experience reform and mental health according to the non-profit Blue Help, 2019, New York had the highest number of police suicides, the number at 27. California was next with 23, Texas 19, Florida 15. It's uh, kind of underlooked what a lot of policemen go through. Um, that's something we talk about here too, is how can the public make policing better and we talk a lot of national incidents it was uh, pretty interesting and i'll probably try to make this a uh, reoccurring segment here on i'm always right let's get into it cop talk by the way the officer is going to remain anonymous well, what's it like being a cop in 2021 2022 a couple months away um 
I guess the easiest way to describe it is you get real jaded real easy. Yeah? Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. It's real easy to get discouraged nowadays. So. What's the most discouraging? <clears throat> the fact that people can hate you and dislike you just because of what you do without even knowing you as a person. Outside of doing this job, you can probably get along. You'd probably be really cool with each other. But just because of what you chose to do, they hate you. And it's an unequivocal hate. Do you feel like you, your police interactions, do you feel that from the people that you interact with? Or do you feel that from, like you said, strangers more often than not? <clears throat> yeah, I would say where I work, it's not so bad like that. I do have the benefit of working somewhere where they care about us. But the overall opinion, especially when you travel for your job, you have to go to certain jurisdictions, you, you definitely get that feeling where you're just not welcome. Or when you're off duty, you... you can be somewhere and someone might not know what you do and just the way they talk about police and they don't care. You know, you see it online, you see it on the internet, it's what you see every day. So you're not a beat cop per se, but you still interact with, I don't know, what do you call them? Not not defendants, what do you call them? Victims and... Suspects. Yeah. Suspects, yeah. yeah. Um, you interact with them on yeah. a daily basis, right? Yeah. So do you feel... Your suspects and your victims kind of have an animosity towards you? I would say I think people who commit crimes are predisposed to not like police. Mm -hmm. But the victims have not necessarily an animosity, but I have dealt with them having a hesitancy to trust us. Whereas it'd be so much more easier if that trust was implied. You know, wait for us to do something that's untrustworthy before... Before you come to us that way, but it's it's often a barrier in the beginning of some of these these uh, cases that they're automatically coming towards you with the skew that you're untrustworthy, so they may hold, withhold details or you may not get the full story right right off the bat because they don't trust you. Yeah, not necessarily me. I would say you know just the profession. Right. Yes. Okay. Do you think? A lot of that has to do with things that go on in, you know, the media and movies. Do you think any of the stigma yeah. that's portrayed in those yeah. formats helps that at all? We know that the media doesn't do a good job of portraying us. And I think it all plays towards their their willingness to put two groups against one another and let it play out. It's good rating. So I don't, I don't expect that anything different from the media. I mean, it's just... It's just the, the, to me, it's what the narrative is right now. It's easier to play us against, off against one another versus us, and I mean us, society, people, realizing what's really going on out there. So I think that's where it stems from. You know, what was it? Uh, the Nazis said, if you tell a lie, tell long enough, it becomes the truth. So uh, for the better part of the last two years, the police were the worst things on planet Earth, killing everyone um, they encounter. So you have some people out there who truly believe that police are the worst things on, on planet earth right now. Do you think there's ever been a worse time to be a cop? I can't say that I've got it bad as bad as like you think of those, those beat cops dealing with like the crack epidemic in the New York city and in like the, the eighties, nineties, even going back to the seventies. I mean, these dudes were out there without even vests, like no body armor, just going out there with their mustaches and revolvers and fucking. <laughs> so I can't say that we've got it as bad as them, um, because that's a whole nother level of balls and just the, what they did. 
but uh, I think it's with the with the addition of technology, it's so much more easier to seem worse and seem like we have it that bad because you can just put anything out there now with any videos or whatever. I mean, looking back to uh, the summer of George Floyd, I mean, things were pretty bad. Um, it seems like... It seems like it. I don't know. I don't have the data in front of me, but it seems like more and more you hear about cops getting assaulted, cops getting shot and these horrible and unfortunate deaths of you know officers getting killed while they're on duty um what do you think the incident of george floyd did for policing let's make no mistake there wasn't a cop that i knew or i mean i remember coming in the next morning and sitting around the tv in the station not a single cop I knew or spoke to or that saw that didn't think that what Chauvin did was absolutely wrong and was murder. Not one, not one of us thought anything different. And if you think something different, you think what he did was justified or legal, fuck you because it wasn't. That's not policing. He was in cuffs. Take him out of fucking cuffs or stand him up once he's in custody. Kneeling on his neck for fucking nine minutes, or that, that's just complete bullshit. So I just wanted to say that, but... I think more so with, and and I'll and I'll readily admit, I come from a skewed position, thinking that there's always an ulterior motive, or, you know, there's always a, a different powers that be that are trying to control us in a certain kind of way, because after that you had sheriffs, you had chiefs, you had officers marching, taking knees, you know. I think at that point we understood that if a person can do this, if a cop can do this, and think that it was okay. Something is wrong. And I think that was the realization right there that we realized something is wrong with the system if a man thinks that it's okay to do that to another human being. So at that point, we were willing to say, okay, maybe this shit is broken. Maybe there's something we can work on. And I think we were moving towards that. But again, going back to that whole ulterior motive, higher power, whatever you want to call it, I don't think that they wanted that. So that's where you have that constant media barrage of every shooting every officer encounter everything was right in your face and police were monsters so what did we get we went from marching with each other to literally battling each other on the streets of america night after night and it was sensational it got the media good ratings and it got us at each other's throat so i think for policing for law enforcement it probably if you're one of those guys who loves equipment and loves gear and, and loves action it probably did you a benefit but as far as overall policing with the community and how we interact with one another i think it's never been worse and we couldn't be further away from from each other with, with things right now there, there's no dialogue there's no speaking there's there's nothing so police community relations has suffered as a result um which seems to be clear at least now and it's probably not the first time in history it's occurred but getting into it um defunding the police george floyd pretty much uh, has given way to the entire idea of defunding the police. Um, you did mention that you think there was some possibly good things to come from a change in the system. What do you think some of those good things could have been or could be? I think just what I, what I had said before, like I think there was a realization that, that there's got to be something, that maybe there is something broken or maybe we can do something better. If somebody can do that to another person and think that it was okay, in his mind, think it was okay. 
So the first thing that would come to my mind would be training. But, you know, I don't know. I really don't know off the top of my head how long Derek Chauvin was an officer for. I think he had been an officer for uh, at the least several years, which gives him years of experience. Um, perhaps not as much as, say, a 30-year uh, guy on the force. But nonetheless, he did have experience and he did make that choice. Um so that would be the first thing is training, but if you have the experience and he has the training and he just made his own personal choice, it's tough, you know, uh, that, that day definitely changed America. I mean, going like talking about training, you cannot train not being a piece of shit to somebody. I mean, I don't, there's not a training. I've been doing this job for a long time. There's not a training that I've ever attended and I'm probably one of the more highly trained guys. I've never attended a training that would have told me or that's ever told me, hey, don't kneel on somebody's neck. It's kind of common fucking sense. I've had plenty of trainings tell me once you get them in cuffs, pick them up. You know, positional asphyxia is something we deal with. We train for it. We know. Don't leave them on their stomach. They can't breathe. I mean, you had you, you had Eric Garner a couple years ago. It, the guy should know better. So I think it's it comes down to an individual choice of how much of a scumbag you are to not realize that what you're doing was wrong. When you go to any trainings, you know, post-Eric Garner, post-George Floyd, are these things brought up in the trainings? Are they used as examples of what to do, what not to do? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you have a specific use of force training, you, you get uh, you get these examples thrown in. But, you know, they're more sensational and they're kind of just like, honestly, a lot of those are just common sense. Don't do this. You should know not to. You should know not to do this. If you are going to put somebody in a carotid control position or, you know, the chokehold, don't hang on to their neck while, while they're saying, I can't breathe, and while they're on the ground motionless. You should know better. Even if you train that way, you can't train somebody to not be a piece of shit. And to do those things, to, to be on someone's back, choking the shit out of them with all your might while they're screaming, I can't breathe, and not fighting, you can't train that out of somebody. That's just an individual choice. There's not... Um... A police manual that I've come across that would even insinuate to put a knee to uh, somebody's neck like that. And there was a lot of calls for making that clear in any sort of police code or training. But it was never there to begin with. And a lot of that has kind of been blurred. Um, nonetheless, though, moving along. Um, what do you think... You know, these, I guess, reforms, I don't know what else to call it, uh, such as defunding the police and all the other ones could potentially do for policing. So let's go, let's think back of like, like those cool 80 movies, 80s movies, um, RoboCop and uh, Death They Wish. Live, Death Wish, like all these movies where it just seemed like the city was the biggest cesspool of crime <laughs> And just disgustingness. If you want to ask yourself, if you think how does society get to that point, this is how you get to that point. You know, where the police, where crime is just so terrible, the streets are disgusting and dirty, you walk down the street, you're liable to get murdered, and then you have the police who are this ultimate autonomous authority figure with zero oversight can do what they want. All these reforms, all of this, uh, all of this decriminalization, this is how you get that. So if you ever ask yourself, oh, you ever thought America would never get that way, this is how you get to that point. 
because it will get so bad, so crime-ridden, so people will just be so unable to live their basic lives that they will readily give up their rights and they will just allow police and give police the autonomy to just do things that otherwise you should never do. We're free people, we should be always maintain our freedom, but let's think about the people we have in power now. They would give up the rights to in a heartbeat. So that's just where I think it's all heading. Do you think there's times when, say, it might be beneficial to call in a social worker rather than having a beat cop go deal with something or a detective? There's specific, specific incidents that I can think of where having a social worker or a mental health professional readily available where it might benefit you, but nine times out of ten, you're not going to send a mental health professional to the scene to go deal with someone who is in a you know in a excited state or dealing with an EDP you know where they're emotionally disturbed you're not going to send them out there and i think that idea is all you know it's really good it's a real good uh, touchy feely idea right up until that first social worker gets killed and then you'll start seeing people change their tune yeah i mean it would seem that those situations where having the social worker on hand you know they're few and far in between I mean, we have on-call mental health. If we get someone who, you know, where we're from, we call them 941, the, the mental health law, 941, 945. If they're, you know, if they're suffering an episode and they need help, we'll gladly say, hey, we'll take you to talk to someone. Even if we feel like they're a threat to themselves or someone else, we will say, listen, you can come with us or we're going to make you. We have on-call mental health. They'll gladly come down to the station. They'll, they'll come speak with the guy. And if they determine that the, the person, I should say, is, is a much uh, larger danger than we think, They'll send them on to the nearest uh, psychiatric hospital. So we have those options of, of, of having an on-call mental health worker. When you start thinking that having a social worker is going gonna, is gonna to fix everything, it's not. Because then you're going to start getting into, well, do they wear body armor? And then when the first one you know gets injured or killed, hey, do we arm them? And then are we just creating social worker cops at that point? That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, can they make an arrest? You know, what's the cops going to be there anyway? So Right. I think it, and they can't make an arrest. They they don't have police powers. You know, they can't do any of that. And then on top of that, now you're adding a potential hostage into an already volatile situation. So that's you know, we're on the subject. That's kind of what I want to talk about too. This the idea of uh, de-escalating and conflict managing. It seems from the information I've gathered de-escalating is kind of the first go-to for a police officer. I mean, would you agree that most cops don't want things to escalate where you're pulling your gun out or you are you have six guys trying to take one guy down or you're in a standoff with a guy? I mean, it wouldn't make sense to me from a policeman's perspective to, you know, enjoy that on a daily basis anyway, you know. But, uh... Is that not part of the policeman's job, de-escalating and conflict managing? I would say for the most part, guys do try to de-escalate and they don't want to get involved in things. But you do have those guys who, who live for that action, so they they relish in that. Uh, Hotheads. Yeah. Yeah. So you have you have those guys. So, But you can also, you know, de-escalation is something that you can teach. Something that you can train on, and, and we have taken training on that. Um... Getting into bail reform and going back to the reforms, or what do you think bail reform is doing for policing? 
the honest answer, and this is gonna this may not sit well with a lot of the people out there, it has made my job extremely easy because I don't have to worry about keeping somebody in jail. I mean, they're they're free to go just as quick as I can arrest them. So it's made policing much more easier. We don't have to worry about housing them overnight in cells. We don't have to worry about uh, feeding them when they're in this when, when they're being being held. And honestly, it's it's made my job easier in the sense that it's made it worse because I don't have to. I have no power essentially. It's taken all the almost all the authority aside from some specific crimes to incarcerate someone. So that revolving door. Hey, just arrest them, let them go. I don't put too much emotion into it now because I know even if I arrest them, they're just gonna go anyway. They're just gonna get out anyway. How many uh, repeat arrests have you seen so far that you can? Off the top of your head. Oh, it could be. I can't give you a number, but it's, it's daily. I mean, countless. You get, yeah, you do. It's, you do daily, the same guys okay. all the time. Really? It's the same guys all the time. You get you know, one or two, uh, one or two repeats, but for the most part, it's the same people. What? What do they, do they acknowledge it at all? Do they laugh about it? Oh yeah, well, you hear it all the time. Give me my appearance ticket, and <laughs> they're right. Here's your appearance ticket. I, I can't argue with it. Here you go. This is this is for you. So it sounds. You know, it sounds like you have less paperwork, perhaps, but it also, you know, and I understand somewhat in jest when you say it's making it easier. I'm assuming that's, you know, what it means. Um, but it sounds mostly like it's more of a nightmare. Yeah, no, it is. And I, and I was being sarcastic. But yeah. I, I think that's the that's the way for me to, I think that's the way for guys to cope with, you know, that's right. to go cope with the fact that it's a revolving door where you can say, oh, well, this is what you want. So here's your appearance ticket, be on your way. And, and guys kind of ignore it like that you think any of this stuff's kind of like affecting the camaraderie between policemen um I, I can't say that it has to be honest with you i mean i don't know has it brought you guys closer together um you know people think that and and the public would, would think that it's this club of guys that would do do anything and yeah we would do anything for one another but man it's just like any other organization club High school, whatever you call it, there's there's groups and cliques and likes and dislikes, so it hasn't affected us any more than any other piece of drama would have affected us. It's the policing is just like any other any other profession where yeah. you have your group of friends you may yep. stick to, or if you're by yourself, you're by yourself. Yeah. Check out part two in the next episode. See you then. I'm Dave Peters, and I'm always right.